My guest this week is marketing expert and speaker, Alistair Frost. We chat about whether there is a difference anymore between traditional and digital marketing. It's all just marketing now, isn't it? And the key steps to putting together a content marketing strategy. Welcome to episode 203 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Just before we dive into that interview with Alistair Frost, I just want to tell you where I am with writing my book. I'm on the last chapter. I'm on the last chapter. And after that, the edit begins. But to sort of warm up with some of the ideas that are contained within the book, I've just launched a new mini-series of micro-blogs on my website, Thoughts About Marketing. So do please check out rogeredwards.co.uk for those micro-blogs. Sometimes I'll be talking about pop-up ads. Sometimes I'll be talking about annoying marketing. Sometimes I'll be talking about research. Sometimes I'll be talking about packaging. Sometimes I'll be talking about branding but it will be my thoughts in about 100 words on marketing on the blog, most of it related to stuff that's going to be appearing in the book. So let's get straight into that interview with Alistair right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Alistair, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Alistair, we are using Zoom to communicate with each other today. So where are we Zooming each other from? Of course, I'm in Edinburgh, as always. I'm not so far away. I'm in I'm in Surrey, uh, just south of London. Now, some people would say that was quite a long way away. But in fairness, some of the guests I've had on the show recently have been on the other side of America. So I, I think you're right. We are quite close together. And uh, you'd, you'd probably have better, uh, better broadband connectivity as well if you were talking to someone on the other side of the world. Alistair, your CV is... Uh, really interesting you've been head of strategy at microsoft you you run a um, a consultancy firm you're a keynote speaker on marketing topics you're a real strong champion of digital marketing so there's lots of stuff that we can talk about today but i'd really like to sort of dig into the strategic side of things and maybe talk a little bit about content marketing as well but before we get into that give me a little bit of background about yourself where you came from where your career developed where are you going? And ba- basically, what makes Alistair Frost tick? Oh, where, where did I come from? Well, originally, I came from Essex, if you're interested, a, a much misunderstood county. It's actually really rather lovely. Uh, not what uh, sometimes you get the impression from the from watching things on TV. Um, and I came from Essex, and I, I, I'm almost three decades into my career. It was a bit of a, a wake up when I turned over the calendar, and it was 2019. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's it, 30 years in. Uh, I really am getting old now. And I started off my career at a company called Kimberly Clark, uh, doing consumer marketing for brands like Clean. Huggies, Andrix, good old-fashioned consumer marketing. In the days before we had computers and internets and so on, just about, I was on that cusp. And after 10 years with Kimberly Clark, I joined Microsoft because I was fascinated by technology and where it was mm-hmm. taking us and what it was doing to society. And I spent another 10 years 
there uh, having a wonderful time looking uh, after all sorts of different brand areas, marketing of different divisions. Um, and I was a head of digital marketing strategy for, for Microsoft. And that's what led me into kind of the third chapter of my career, which is what I do today. It's helping organizations make sense of technology, but also how it, how it combines and fuses with marketing. How do we use these two things together to do things that are relevant in a world that continue, continues to accelerate and a, a degree of change that's completely unprecedented in the past. So that's where I've got to. And yes, you're right. I do, I do a lot of keynote speaking. I run training programs and do consulting programs as well. All around, really, at its heart, it's about marketing and, yeah. and doing it well in the modern context. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the more I speak to people, the more it's clear that most of us have three stages of our career. And I'm just thinking... As you were saying that, it's pretty been pretty much the same for me. I started off in one company on a marketing channel and developed my career there. Then I moved to a startup and effectively became one of the people that was involved in that startup and, and eventually worked up to being marketing director and even managing director at one point. And now I'm in that third stage of my career. And I think we must have started about 30 years ago similarly. I'm in that third stage of my career now where I'm also now a consultant and a speaker and doing training and doing um, and helping people with their marketing. So I, I think most people People can probably identify three stages of their careers. Yeah, I'm not sure whether, I, I don't know, maybe there's a fourth. I'd never say uh, there's no, there's nothing next, but um, I've, I've found that working in the marketing industry has been an absolute joy. Uh, ups and downs, of course, like many people, I'm sure. Um, but it's a fascinating arena to operate in, and there's so much change, so much going on. It, it keeps me interested in it. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think we all live, uh, if we stay fit and healthy, we can live for a quite a long time now, and yeah. uh, we can carry on working for a long time. So who knows? Fourth, fifth, sixth. Fourth, fifth, sixth. I have no yeah. idea. But Absolutely. I'm really enjoying this third chapter. It's, it's, it's been my favourite by far. And when you're on stage, Alistair, what are your main keynote speech topics that you're delivering these days? Oh, I talk about all kinds of things. I'm one of these. Um, I'm one of these very inefficient speakers in that I build everything for each client. It's right. a, uh, there are some recurring themes, of course, around digital transformation, uh, disruption. Um, technology myths um, and so on. But it generally tends to be me talking about how we can do communications effectively, how we need to think about our business um, in a different way, how we need to be prepared to be bold, to say what we believe and mm -hmm. to make things happen and to test and learn. Um, There's a whole series of different uh, talks that, that I've given over, over recent years. Um, and they all come back to that common theme of being an effective communicator yeah. uh, in business in, in the modern world. Yeah, communications is, is, is such an important topic. And one of the talks that I, I'm giving at the moment is, is all about communications that engages the customer as opposed to enrages them. And, and I think there's a lot of communications out there that just just quite simply annoys the customer and, and we can maybe we can maybe get into a little bit of that later but what I, what I wanted to focus on first of all was you were head of digital strategy at Microsoft incredibly interesting but I'm homing in on the word digital here for a moment Alistair mm -hmm. if I may and obviously you see titles of people working for companies and the word digital obviously has appeared over the last decade or so. So you'll have the head of digital strategy or digital marketing manager or digital this or digital that. But I do actually wonder now whether we've got to the stage where there isn't really any difference between digital and traditional marketing. I suppose thinking about traditional marketing is 
billboards, TV. But everything's digital now, isn't it? Is it time to get rid of the the word digital and just get back to doing marketing? I think my short answer is yes. Uh, The longer answer is I left Microsoft in 2012. Um, I'd been there for 10 years. At that time, digital was still a relatively distinctive thing. It was new. It was emerging. And sometimes you need to have a function in place to drive change, to affect mm-hmm. change, to, to raise awareness of the internal functions. I mean, at Microsoft, a lot of people imagine, wow, they must be so on top of technology. They must understand everything that's going on. And the reality is they're just marketers and communicators the same as someone yeah. who's working in a, in a you know, doing marketing for a fish and chip chain of restaurants or something. <laughs> it, it, they're, they're just communicators and they're sort of victims and part of the technological change just the same as everyone else. They don't necessarily have that knowledge. Um, but uh, for sure, the distinction between traditional and digital marketing, um, it continues today. And I think I think there is still some relevance in some organizations for that distinction being mm-hmm. there, where it will drive the culture change that's needed so that you can eventually get rid of it. Um, it must be almost 10 years now since we disbanded digital marketing at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that, that I was involved with the process. And we, we took all of the, we used to have a separate digital marketing team. Yes, we still had specialists. There were people who were doing web building and developing and so on. They, they, they were specialist skills. Um, but the idea of having a digital marketing or digital communication specialist was just made no sense. And that's 10 years ago now, um, yeah. so at a company like Microsoft, where we disbanded it, we distributed those people into the ordinary, into the traditional marketing teams and said, right, you need to raise the awareness of all these other people. We all need to be understand digital and traditional. Everything is the same. It's all communicating. It's just uh, figuring out the optimal channel for the message that we have at the time. So I think, I think that distinction between digital and traditional is increasingly irrelevant but what you always have to keep in mind and i encounter this with some of my clients is sometimes the culture actually requires that distinction in order to make digital a thing in the first place so that we can then break it down and say ah, actually it is just another form of communicating and actually we should all be good at this uh consistently across the organization that's really insightful and actually it's it's absolutely in tune with what i see with some of my customers my my background um is is mainly financial services and (laughs) i even had a conversation with somebody just earlier today and they've just recruited a digital marketing manager and i was going to have that same conversation that we've just had do you really want to call them a digital marketing manager? But before I even asked that question, I realized from some of the things that this lady was saying was actually they need somebody in that company to champion the use of video and to champion the use of um, new technologies because they are actually really quite far behind. Um, mm. and, and, I, and I quite like that. I've not really thought of it in those terms before, but I really do like that uh, idea that it's more of a, a promotion of change than it is actually a discipline now and and sticking with strategy I've always been quite strategic I've always been um, I would say a champion of strategy but I do find increasingly these days that sometimes if I use the s word I sometimes get the door slammed in my face Um, I will have people get in touch Um, We'd like to work with you, maybe work on our social media marketing or our email marketing. And my usual answer to those questions is, of course, I can help you with that. But before we can get into that tactic of communication, 
tell me about your strategy. And sometimes the answer is, oh, well, we don't want to do strategy. We just want to email. We just want to use video. We want to use Twitter or social media or whatever it is. And I'll probe them on the strategy. And sometimes it's, well, we, we're not interested in that. We just want to do the, the um, communication. And I just wonder whether marketers these days, either through just the way that companies are structured, have almost lost this art of strategy the you know the working out who the customer is the research the i suppose to use academic terminologies you know targeting and positioning and segmentation mm-hmm. and all those things that if you'd done an mba in marketing you would be proficient in these days when you talk about marketing a lot of the time it is just the communication tactic and i just wonder whether that that's a, maybe that's another symptom of change of the modern world but we do seem to focus on this fact that marketing is communication and everything else is something different and i actually feel quite worried mm. about that because how can you be tactical without being strategic mm, absolutely i I've, i remember for my my very first job at kimberly clark one of the questions i got asked him um was uh, and it was one of those trick questions that you get asked in an interview. And I'm a, this is me straight out of university, um, hoping to become a graduate trainee. And a guy who one day became my boss, very senior guy, he said, "What's more important, drive or direction?" And uh, that really threw me in the interview. I thought, "What's more important, drive or direction?" I said, "Well," and I actually I think I handled it quite well. And I came to the conclusion, well, it has to be direction, doesn't it? Because uh, you can have all the drive in the world, but if you're going in the wrong direction then it's, it's for nothing. You could actually be going backwards. Yeah. Um, and I, I got the job and, and the rest is history. And it's 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 similar to that in a sense that, and the, the problem we've got is the marketing or the opportunities to do communication today are so vast. There are so many ways that you can communicate to people. There are so many channels. Many of them are still quite wrongly perceived as free channels. And, and they're, so they're, 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 anyone can do them. Anyone can set up a social media account. Um, you know, it's not that hard, is it? No. And so really, do we need to have specialists? Do we need to have thinking behind this? And, and what's happened is, whereas in the past, when I started my career, if you wanted to place an advert or create a piece of communication, you had to go through the checks and balances. You, mm. you couldn't just create something and push it out the door on the same day. It would, it would take weeks and months. Mm. It wasn't necessarily better to the way we are today but at least it meant it was it was a discipline you had to go through certain checks in order for things to happen today anyone can do kind of anything and and marketing as a result is being diluted down to the lowest common denominator because people think it's easy it's free it's cheap it it becomes very executional in its nature yeah and so the 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 desire to spend time thinking about okay how are we going to do this why are we doing this what do we want to achieve at the end of the day goes away because actually the focus shifts incorrectly very often onto well let's just do something we want to do video we want to do some social we want to do things and it's Rory Sutherland um, at Ogilvy who, who wrote a wonderful piece recently that because um, this is one of those things that really gets my heckles up and he's absolutely right he talks about he wrote a, a lot about our obsession with efficiency over effectiveness mm. uh, and he re- referred to Will Lyon at BBH who talked about the efficiency bubble that many organizations uh, live in these days in that we're so obsessed with the ability to do things quickly and the ability to do things in a way that we think are efficient. So we're mm. driving down the cost per click. We're driving up the open rate. We're reducing our reliance on discounting, whatever it is. It's all about being efficient. And we're just obsessively pursuing this need to maximize our conversion in, in whichever channels we choose. And increasingly, those, those channels are online. And what we've lost sight of 
is this other part of marketing, which is doing things effectively, mm. doing them, you know, creating some communication that talks to people in a way. And actually, and Rory writes about this and he wrote about this in his article, is that sometimes actually being inefficient in the channels we choose or the way that we do things is, is what we need to, to work with the effectiveness of the communication, the creativity of the communication. And so that we have lost sight of strategy. We've lost as much discipline as we used to have in, in the profession in many parts because we it's just seen as something that's quick and easy and cheap to do. And fundamentally, it, it, if there, there's no proof yet that more efficient messages make creativity less important you know okay we can deliver we get we can get more cost per click well if the message is wrong if the if the that what we're saying and, and what we're trying to communicate is incorrect it's still not going to work i mean if it's if it's brown and smelly delivering it efficiently <laughs> won't make it any better it's still brown and smelly um so you that we have lost sight of the the big thinking and it's it's something that really pains me because it means that the profession is not held in the high esteem that I believe it should be held in. Mm. And it also means that marketers are struggling to develop their careers and rise through the ranks and achieve the greatness for their organizations and their brands that they could achieve because they're seen as the coloring in department increasingly. And, and it's so, so wrong because yeah. done well, it's, it's art and science marketing. And I think the scientists have kind of taken over and it's not science without art is, is pointless yeah it's interesting i i received a press release yesterday i i'm i'm on these list for all these press releases because i just like to see what's happening and it was actually quite a fascinating piece of research that this um company had done which suggested that 42 percent of companies in the united kingdom now outsource their marketing now, of course, I saw this headline and thought, my goodness, that's a lot higher than I would have thought it was. But in as soon as I saw it in my head, I'm thinking marketing from a traditional point of view. So product development, price and distribution and, and, and all the stuff that we talked about before. And then, of course, I probed into the detail of the press release. And what they're actually talking about is the outsourced marketing in inverted commas is simply social media or email or or video, not the actual strategy behind it. And and I think that's another symptom of exactly what you've described. It's this it's this dumbing down of the marketing discipline so that companies do feel, well, we can just we can just offload this communications bit because actually it's so simple. We we don't need any experts in-house. What I hope they're doing in-house is still working out who the customer is, working out what the customer's problem is and building a product or service to solve that problem. I'm hoping they're still doing that. But it does seem, as you, as you say, that we have, we have done the communication part down. We think it's almost not, there's no point actually having somebody in-house to do it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great news if you're an executional agency that's, um, <laughs> that can do this stuff for, on behalf of clients, um, which I'm not, by the way, so that wasn't an advert. I'm, <laughs> it's great news, isn't it? And, uh -huh. and sadly, uh, it's a pretty easy sell to make to many organizations mm. um, because if you can say it's very easy to point holes in the relative efficiency of what people are doing online um, because most, most organizations haven't really got everything nailed down and, and nor will they ever because they should be in a perpetual state of testing and learning and, and, and growing so it's quite a, it's quite an attractive thing to to look at outsourcing some of this 
marketing stuff yeah. uh, because um, somebody seems to be an expert. And actually, you know, short-term savings and respect and a promotion. We all know that. But being creative and bold and actually creating something that will stand the test of time rarely does. Uh, so what we've got is that because marketing is seen as a cost – to be minimized and it's not not a source of value creation uh, in in many companies mm. not exclu- not universally but very often it's seen as a cost um so so therefore you know let's find a more a way to do that more efficiently and we outsource it and that very rarely has a long term delivers a long term result that mm. was expected in the outcome because uh, at the outset because the the outsourcing that you see will generally go outsourced and then it will be insourced again and it's outsourced and insourced and there's a sort of pendulum that very often swings inside organizations and clearly the fact that it's still swinging tells you that it's not working outsourcing a lot of this stuff is not the answer it's very difficult to have a credible authentic voice for things like social media communications when it's outsourced yeah it can be done, but you've got to have a brilliant partner who really, and almost sitting inside your organization, living and breathing your brand. Um, but so many companies do it. And so many times I see it and they've outsourced. And then a year later, actually, it didn't really work. It wasn't as cheap as we thought. And the results are not as great as they were, as were promised. We're going to be in source it again now. And and the pendulum keeps swinging. And and I do wish if the, if the strategic marketers were in control of the organization then some of those mistakes wouldn't be made in the first place we'd actually create the organization we need to deliver the, the brands that the business and the commercial results we desire uh, need uh, and we just we miss that so so often it's it's painful isn't it absolutely absolutely i, I, I hope it does come back full circle and marketers are able to build up the strategic side of it again and and you know this book that i'm i'm nearly finished writing now is all about how to write a strategy without actually using the word strategy because i think that it has become a problem it almost has become a door closer um yeah, i think so to some extent that the, the worst thing that you can outsource is strategy and mm-hmm. i always think i mean you can get thinkers you can have people to support you to guide you who have best practice advice and so on um but in truth, you have to own the strategy. You've got to have a champion inside the business who believes this thing, who can see the big picture, who can, who's there for the long term, who wants to create something that um, their, their grandchildren will, will, will be proud to, to learn about in the future. Um, and, and you also need to, uh, you, you need to insource things like social media marketing, yeah. voice of your brand. You need to insource um analytics and measurement and tracking so that you're learning and, and you're living and breathing those things. Um, there are other things that you can outsource, which because it's the right thing to do, things that, again, are very often seen as tactical and easy to do, things like photography and videography mm. and um, writing and so on. These are these are art forms. These are skills. And whilst you can do them in-house, sometimes it's very difficult to retain the best talent inside an organization sometimes the most creative expressive communicators um have a very varied work life uh, like like you and me uh, we do different things and, and those sorts of things are, are often better outsourced but you you can't outsource strategy yeah you've got to live and breathe it and it's got to make sense to everyone in the organization otherwise all of your efforts are for nothing you're just getting short-term savings and short-term quick wins and that's just going to kill you in the in, in the end 
Absolutely. I'm just going to change tactic a little bit here, Alistair, but it will all come back to strategy as we wrap up, I think. <laughs> now, I know that um, you've done a lot of content marketing. You speak about content marketing. I've mm. been... Um, a vast um, champion of content marketing. In fact, well, I tried to be in the um, in the big corporates in the financial services industry that I was um, involved with, but it was quite an uphill struggle. Although I can I can claim to have, having launched one of the first blogs in the financial services industry. Although I didn't probably even realise it was a blog at the time, but it it would have turned out to have been like that. Obviously, a different way of engaging with with um, customers. It's not your interruption that you get from a from an advert or something like that. It's very much something that people might look for on Google by typing in a question, and they find a piece of content from a company that answers that mm. question. One of the problems, though, is that when you talk to people about content marketing, as always, they tend to glaze over. So, have you got a high level definition of content marketing you use when you're talking to people? Mm, absolutely. I, and I do use a, a consistent definition of content marketing. You're absolutely right, Roger. If, 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 if your organization doesn't actually have a definition of content marketing that's written down somewhere or pinned up on a board or, or at least that people could recite to you quite, quite comfortably, then how the heck do you ever think you're going to do it well? You've got, you need to agree what this thing is. And this is where the problems actually begin because it is quite an amorphous, amorphous discipline in that because the first problem is the word content. Yeah. Well, what what is content? Well, it's kind of stuff. It's all the stuff we do. Whether it's an advert, whether it's a uh, whether it's a uh, an email campaign, whether it's an event, it's all a form of content. Um, so the the definition that that I refer back to is derived from something that the Content Marketing Institute put together because I think it's the most complete definition that I've that I've that I've come across. And they they talk about content marketing being the technique of creating and distributing valuable and relevant content to attract and acquire a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving profitable customer action. Now, there's an awful lot in that definition, yeah. a lot of goodness. Creating and distributing, um, I think that's crucial because far too often we, we think, oh, it's all about making stuff, isn't it? Oh, let's make an infographic. Great. Well, no. Actually, creating is the easy bit. Distributing is really hard work. Yeah. And far too often what we do is we create a piece of content and we put it in a dusty corner of our website and imagine that the world will come to consume it. And guess what? They don't um, because the Internet's full of more interesting stuff. Um, so creating and distributing valuable and relevant content, of course, um, to attract and acquire. And I think that's crucial as well. We, we focus far too often, I think, on the short term getting attention, getting mm -hmm. the click, but really done well, it's an acquisition process. Yes. We want, there should always be a call to action or, or a call to behavior, if you like, to, to encourage people to do, think, feel something so that they will then go to the next stage as of their choosing. We don't define it, um, but, but it's, it's, it's getting their attention, but also then getting them to want to do something next to acquire. Um, and then it talks about a clearly defined audience, well, yes, of course, because if you market to everyone, you market to no one. Yeah. Uh, but the last bit is my favorite bit, with the objective of driving profitable customer action. Uh, and because it, because I like that in the definition, because it doesn't talk about I don't know, hitting our quarter one sales target yeah. or increasing our market share or, or you know, something specific. It, it's deliberately vague. And actually, this is where great content marketers win, is they get it. They understand that any action from a customer however small 
that is ultimately profitable to our organization is a legitimate outcome of content marketing. Because content marketing is not about short-term sales targets, not about short-term wins. It's about creating a, a foundation for your business such that when a future prospect needs something that you can help them with, they're going to gravitate towards you because they'll encounter you, they'll know of you, and they'll, 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 they'll naturally want to consider buying from you. So now I often cite the example of getting people to sign up to a newsletter, for example. If we can demonstrate that somebody who subscribes to our newsletter is on average more profitable to us as an organization than somebody who doesn't, well, then then getting someone to sign up to a newsletter is a profitable customer action because yeah. it takes them into that acquisition process so that they are more likely to spend money with us to upsell whatever in the future. Um, and I think that's a really good definition um, because it covers so many of the so many of the mistakes that many organizations make with content marketing. Um, it's a very specific discipline. It's a long-term play. And it, if you're going to do it well, you've really got to approach this thing with some structure and some process because just creating more content is not going to get you there. It's just going to add to the confusion. Which is why I think that, again, some people confuse content with other forms of marketing tactics like advertising and promotions. And whilst it might be quite legitimate to run an advertising campaign for six months and then to stop it and then come back six months later and then do another run of, the, of a different version of that advertising campaign, I feel that content is, is more strategic. As you say, it's a long-term game. You know, mm. I, I, really, I had 35 episodes of this podcast out there in the market before I actually got a piece of business directly as a result of the podcast. A lot of people would give up after six or seven episodes yeah. because they have that short-term, well, this isn't working. I need to move on to something else. So, That's a great example. Yeah, this, and this is the problem because we've marketing in the past was – shaped around campaign work mm. it had to be because that was the only choice we had yeah. we, we we could only create we had to package all the stuff together create some big bang and go boom and hope that the world would pay attention and we threw all of our money at it and we tried to make it work and so it was sort of six months of planning and then we do it and then we all go to the pub to celebrate and then we start planning on the start work on the next campaign and the content marketing is anything but that. It's about a drip, drip, drip. It's constantly building and 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 nurturing and maintaining and improving something so that it will, um, so that we've got a base there, a bedrock on which our organisation um, and our brands exist. And it, and not only is it that long term tactic, I think it becomes part of the very fabric of the of the company. It's part of the offer maybe you could say it's part of the product or the service as opposed to a communications tactic that is is only going to be a finite um, period of time and and again when i have con conversations with people about content marketing it's usually framed from the point of view of a campaign or we want to do a content marketing campaign for a few months okay <laughs> Let, let's go back to basics and, and and talk this through just like we have and and, and again i i just think there's this quite a, an attitudinal shift needed from a lot of people to to almost elevate the content at 
into the strategic layer as opposed to putting it in the t- tactical layer where advertising and promotions and, and traditional marketing activity sits. I do, yeah, in my, t- my training workshops around content marketing, I talk about m- minor and major content just mm-hmm. as a way of helping people to explore that simple principle. But the, the, the truth is, if you're doing a big campaign, that's what I would call major. There's a lot of effort goes into it. There's multiple channels. There's a lot of thinking and so on. And that, there's still a role for that. Don't get me wrong. But if that's if if your content marketing is just campaign, 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 then that you're not actually doing content marketing. You're still in the world of, com- of campaigns. Mm. The, the most of the touch points that your future customers and today's customers will encounter if you're doing content marketing well is minor content it's little stuff it's a blog post it might be a podcast like this it might be a little infographic it might be just a tweet Mm. it's the small stuff Mm. because those are the those are the most frequent touch points of a good well-managed brand today Um, people just encounter it in their lives as they go about their lives and it's the minor stuff and yeah every so often there's a big bang and there's a campaign and so on that's that's still legitimate but we pay we place too little importance in our minds on the small stuff because it's tactical and easy and easy to do but that is where most of the touch points will be so it, it absolutely you need to build a process so that this thing is strategically defined that and we're going to put this much effort into the minor, this much into the major, and we're going to we're going to create something that will give every viable prospect that we that this defined audience we want to reach as many opportunities to encounter what we do to know who we are and to learn to love us and to want to have us in their lives. I was going to ask you a few questions about what are the steps to putting together a good content strategy, but I think you've actually encapsulated it really quite nicely in just what you've said about the major and the minor and the fact that it's a long-term game. I think that's that's really important. I mean, f- fundamentally for me, it's all about doing the planning up front. And, yeah. and when I, again, I teach content marketing, I have a nine-step process I've developed over the last five years. And the, the first five steps on that process are all about planning they're all about thinking they're all about understanding your audience understanding the channels understanding the topics identifying the size of the task and it's only after those are done that i would say okay now we can get into i call it the content creation spin Mm. which is where we actually start making something and doing stuff putting it out there Um, and far too often it's the other way around is that people start content marketing by oh guess what let's make some content (laughs) must therefore be content marketers Um, but if you if I go into an organization and I take a piece of content and I'll do this regularly, I'll ask four different people, why does this content exist? Who's it for? What's it, what's it to achieve? I'll get 16 different answers yeah. um, because they don't know. And if you're, if you don't have a purpose for doing this stuff in the first place, the chances are it's, it's back to that old drive and direction thing, isn't it? You've got loads of drive, but you might be going in the wrong direction. You could get lucky. You could be a genius and be going in the right direction. If you haven't thought about what you're trying to achieve for the long term, what's the point of doing lots of tactical stuff? You're just making your future problems greater, potentially. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, a, it's all about planning up front and then and now only then shifting into the uh, the execution phase, getting on the hamster wheel of making stuff and putting it out there and learning as you go. And uh- as everybody who listens to this podcast is probably fed up with hearing me say now, it's you've got to do the work first. You've got to know your customer. You've got to know their issues. You've got to create a product or service that meets that need 
probably better and different than everybody else. And you've got to have a goal, a strategic goal. Alistair, we're coming towards the end of our conversation. I, I do suspect we could probably carry on talking for a lot longer um, with so many interesting things um, being discussed this morning. But what, what would be the one thing that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from three decades worth of experience as a marketer? Being a marketer is a huge privilege. And we lose sight of that because we get stuck in the you know the day to day and firefighting and problems and so on. It is an immense privilege to have an opportunity to communicate a message to the right people to make their lives better, to actually you know improve their improve their world. And as such, marketing and communication generally it should be viewed as an honourable, noble profession. I mean, sadly, it's one of the most disliked professions on earth because it's seen, um, well, by, it's seen by business as a cost and it's seen by the outside world as we're, we're manipulators, we're coercing people, we're doing, you know, we're tricking people into buying stuff that they don't need. If you do marketing well, you should be able to look all of your family in the eye and say, this is what I do and I help connect the right solutions to the right people so that they can live their lives to the full. When we stop seeing it as, oh, my job is to sell to leads or to create leads, and actually we jump out of bed on a Monday morning to, to go and create something that will help your friends. These are your customers, obviously, mm. your prospects. Help people that you understand to live their lives to the full, to buy the right things, to have the right services, to, to fulfill their dreams, to achieve their greatness. Then suddenly you realize, wow, this is a privilege. And it doesn't matter whether you're selling plumbing supplies or or, or or teaching skills or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There are people who need to know what you've got because it will make their lives better. And if you do your job well, you will you'll connect those two things. And that has to be for the betterment of society. It has to be the betterment of the world. So think of it as an honorable, noble profession. Be proud of what you do. Have the highest standards of, of morality and, and, and professionalism in all you do. And uh, you will you will create something that will stand the test of time and will actually deliver some value to society as a, as a whole. That fits perfectly in with my engage don't enrage philosophy so well love that very quick couple of quick questions to finish off Alistair now I am obsessed with keeping marketing simple so I've changed the um, couple of questions they asked at the end of the podcast after episode 200 so very quickly give me an example of a marketing campaign or a product or something you've seen recently which is really the epitome of keeping marketing simple Oh, keeping marketing simple. Sadly, you see far too few of these, don't you? <laughs> um, but when you do, they're a joy. Actually, there's one, there's one, and this isn't very recent, actually, but it's so simple. It's so brilliant that I, I, I love it. Canon printers, they make big printers that go into organizations like, you know, HP and New Xeroxes and so on. Um, a few years ago, they, they sent an annual report to chief executive officers of almost 200 firms um, and and they sent their own annual report. So if you were the CEO of, I don't know, Coca-Cola Enterprises, um, you would receive through the post a beautifully packaged copy of your own annual report. Right. Um, But what they did, they were really clever, is they they, they did their research and they read the report. They then um, annotated the the annual report. So they would, they they read the artwork because all, all, public limited companies the annual report you can download it yeah. so they annotated the artwork and so they, they would put sort of you know post-it notes printed on top of it they then printed it on canon printers using the best inks the best paper 
So the CEO would receive what would, without doubt, be the best copy of his own or her own annual report that they ever seen. But then when they opened it up, it was annotated with his reasons why you want to work with Canon. Because it's so okay, if you're trying to expand into Africa, good news. We have a distribution center in Africa and your rep is so-and-so and here's his picture and this is the phone number. Um, and it was so simple because it went back to what does the customer need? And if I can show that I understand their business and that my business is right for them, then I, I should be successful. And Canon reported they got over 30 leads, that, you know, meetings with C-level um, customers from just creating these annual reports. And I think that was so simple. And when you break it down, you think, How, why didn't I think of that? That's yeah. amazing. That's so clever. That's, that's the, that, they're the campaigns that you remember and that, that really work because they're so obvious, you kind of kick yourself for not thinking of it in the first place. And at the other end of the scale... Give me an example of truly complicated marketing or management muppetry, as I like to call it. (laughs) Companies that you would almost want to call out by name, but we don't do that sort of thing on the podcast. But. I uh, I have a actually I have a folder on my computer. I have many folders where I collect stuff that's always good for sort of thinking about. And I, I have this thing called the zone of irrelevance, um, uh, which because you know we, we should be doing stuff that's that's in the zone of relevance. So it's 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 relevant for our customer, but it's also something that that we legitimately can talk about. And I get loads of these emails. Um, I don't know if they're management muppetry, but they um, do you get these emails that come through and you see them on your phone and. I got one recently. It said something exciting is coming on such and such a date, uh, and it was from a big petrochemical company. <laughs> and I thought, okay, uh, what is it? <laughs> and yeah. They didn't tell me. They just said something exciting is coming. And to this day, I've no idea what it was because I don't think I, I probably unsubscribed. Um, uh, and again, the other one you get is a oh, watch our TV ad. Um, people sending out messages saying our TV ad is now available. Watch it here first. Well, I'm sorry, if I'm a diehard <laughs> fan, I might click on that. But the reality is most people are looking the other way. They really don't care. And it's called an ad because you pay to get my attention. You don't deserve my attention. <laughs> I got another one the other day from a, a DIY manufacturer, the tools equipment manufacturer. And it just it was just said, follow us on Instagram. No reason to do so. It was just they, they were on Instagram and they imagined that the world cared. And all of these are examples, and there are so many of them of marketers getting caught up in themselves and thinking that the stuff that they've spent however many weeks working on is relevant to the customer, and it's not. I mean, yeah, follow us on Instagram is a nice little byline to add to something if, the, if once you've got some relevant content there. But don't suspend somebody's day. Don't interrupt their, uh, their, their, their whatever they're up to in their lives to tell them that you can now you, they are now able to watch your TV ad. That, that is not how it works. And these are examples, I think, of what I call it zone of irrelevance, where people have got caught up in themselves and they think that their message is, is worthy of interrupting somebody's day, and it is not. You have to work and deserve that attention. If you're going to interrupt your customers, say something useful to them, not something that serves you only. Fantastic. Alistair. I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast might want to get in touch with you after hearing all these um, words of wisdom. So what's the best way that people should get in touch? And that could be for a speaking gig, consultancy, whatever it might be. Uh, best way, as always, is just via the website. Um, you have to know how to spell my name, which is one of the challenges. <laughs> um, but uh, it's alistair.live is the website. So it's A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R, Alistair. 
www.thebrandnewsletter.live. Uh, if you go there, you can see what I'm up to. There's a blog there and uh, all sorts of stuff around the sort of work that I get involved in. And yeah, and as always, it's always a joy to hear from people. So I, I hope people will get in touch. Fantastic. Alistair, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I will include the link to your website in the show notes for the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Alistair, thanks for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed our conversation this morning. So many areas we agree on, so many interesting ideas and concepts. So thanks again for coming on the show. And hopefully one day we'll meet in person for a beer or a coffee. I'll look forward to that. Thanks, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.